0: Welcome to another episode of The Leading Mindset. I'm your host, Ali Payani. And today we're going to uh, discuss the entrepreneurial challenges and also we're going to discuss the importance of the technology adoption, especially like the nowadays days after the pandemic and how important it is for the organizations. So today my guest is Felix Adige, he's the CEO of the Meet Me in the Cloud. Hello Felix. Hi Ali nice to have you today um let's get started with the story of the meet me in the cloud how did it all start
1: uh great question um meet me in the cloud was uh, founded by an ex uh, cisco uh veteran and it came out of uh the growing need whereby when uh, customers acquired you know to tech, collaboration technology webex they, there was a bit of a struggle in terms of you know, just purchasing it and then it sits on the shelf mm-hmm. because you know, the knowledge workers who needed it did not know why they needed to use it and probably didn't exactly know how to adopt it. People are not very um, open to change sometimes. And so the need was established and was kind of easily identified. And it's just as simple as if you show someone how to use a new tool to do their job, you know, just the way they're doing it today, or even a little better, they'll use it. Um, and of course as the purchase of the technology, like the CTOs or the CIOs who invest in this technology, what they're after is a return on that investment. And the return on the investment can be in the form of cost savings, efficiency, more collaboration within the work group, dot dot dot. And and you know even reduce support. So and the only way to achieve that is if users actually adopt the technology which is beyond just utilization you can use a tool by just logging in but to adopt it means to actually leverage it fully and and rip out the legacy system that was originally doing the work if both systems are still in play you've not truly adopted and you don't get the full benefit of a uh, technology adoption
0: True. when have you founded the company
1: so um, I didn't found it. It was founded by, as I mentioned, an ex um, employee, yeah, a while, uh, about 2011. Um, I, I acquired it as a small uh, business acquisition uh, about mm-hmm. three, three and a half years ago. And um, this was because, you know, as part of, uh, I, I developed a whole search fund model where you could go look for, you know, small, good quality businesses to you know, acquire them and then perhaps scale them to really touch, you know, a broader audience of customers. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, it was a small business and, and since I've, I've grown it in you know, almost double, you know, its original size. Uh, but it's been quite a journey just because the need for technology adoption is even now just sort of becoming a bit more understood and more popular. Back then, it was sort of ahead of its time. mm
0: mm-hmm. What services do you think is trending now or what services mainly like people are looking? Do you you see also a really big change before and after the pandemic?
1: Oh yeah, it's been a bit of a a wide swing of a change. So before the pandemic, you know, the story of, um, you know, collaboration tools like Zoom, WebEx, uh, uh, Microsoft Teams was really just, uh, it it was not the easiest conversation to have. And then swoosh comes a pandemic and it's almost like a whole shift happens and everyone kind of jumps on the use of collaboration tools because you needed to do that if you needed to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's just that, as I mentioned before, just because you're using the tool does not necessarily mean that you're properly adopting it. Right. And mm-hmm. that's where we come into play. Um and now uh, as we in you know, this is our third year of of the pandemic, and that's even you know the road is not as as smooth as it could be, so now we're even in a hybrid mode so from the, on the one hand did not know how to use collaboration tools now you kind of know how to use collaboration tools, but you might need to be at home while others are in the office and so we as a company are now dealing with things like collaboration equity, right, which mm-hmm. is how do you ensure that from the person who is in the office, in the conference room, to the person who just dials in by phone, you don't see his face, and to the person who dials in using video conferencing tools like you and I are talking right now, how do you ensure that every single person on that same call is treated equally in terms of you know, how their, how their contribution is treated, that, that someone doesn't necessarily feel guilty for working from home when someone else is in the office? And and the future of work right now is hybrid, and the future of work is going to force companies to make available the opportunity to work remotely uh, whenever possible. Um, It's actually going to become a a competitive edge for most companies when they're recruiting now. So things have changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, even my my young nine-year-old son is quite savvy at the use of collaboration tech. Certainly more than I was when I was, his, when I was his age. Right.
0: Well, back to the entrepreneurship, I mean, um, what, what do you think really inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Or even, as you said, like you're acquiring a company, you wanted to dabble the size, the revenues, and then having that ambitions. What do you think really motivated you and inspired you to start with?
1: Creativity and the constant questioning of the status quo. So, mm-hmm. I've had regular jobs before, but I always found myself looking at you know scenarios within the same job and looking for better ways to do the job or looking for ways outside of the box. My mind was just never settled. I always wanted to do more. Uh, I wanted to do plus. And sometimes, um, you know, when you're within a company and you're working in a particular section. Just because you want to know what the other departments or the other places are doing, uh, even though you have that interest, it's not necessarily meaning those companies, it's welcome. Well, most companies are doing very good, you know, doing very well with that now where it's encouraged for you to cross pollinate with other departments. Uh, but I've, you know, I found out quickly that if I was to keep doing that, if I was to keep coming up with creative ways to solve problems, dealing with customers in with different aspects of the business, marketing, sales, mm-hmm. uh, engineering, or even product development, you, you know, entrepreneurial entrepreneurship was the way to go. And, uh, of course, when I went, for, uh, when I went for my MBA, <laughs> that didn't help at all. I just put more ideas in my head. And so fast forward, um, I, I enjoy operating quite a bit. I've got an investment banking background and I absolutely love that as well. Um, and the art of the deal. Uh, but I also enjoy operating.
0: How much do you think taking risk play an important role for, for any entrepreneur, you know, to become successful?
1: Oh my God, I think it's. Oh, I, I, I I'd be lying if I didn't think it was like a hundred percent. You have mm-hmm. to be, you have to be very comfortable with risk because it's a risk, and your comfort with risk, calculated or not it's still risk. So you just have to, you just have to understand and appreciate that it is a risk. At one point you have a paycheck and the other point you don't have a paycheck and you have to sort things out and go back and you don't do, you don't always do it for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something else that's tickled there, but there, but there's a, there's a a significant amount of risk involved and most most entrepreneurs would uh, certainly uh, I hope would agree with that because it's not a, it's not for the faint at heart. It's really hard being an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. What do you think would be maybe uh, the top three? Not, not necessarily top three, or I mean, like any numbers. You know, top three or four or five skills you would say like an entrepreneur should have or develop to really become more successful.
1: I think at the top of my list is uh, kind of resilience, mm-hmm. um, and that resilience is your. I think you have a, a shortage of things that are saying yes to you and more things that are saying no to you, mm-hmm. whether it's in sales or whether it's you're trying to get through a particular chance. You're, you're mostly hit with a lot of like no's. So the resilience is what makes you not get emotionally and psychologically overpowered um, by the sort of negative and uh, objections to your approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's very important. Otherwise you can, it can be very depressing, and you could get into a, a very dangerous cycle uh, pretty quickly. Hence, not for the fan of heart. Second, I would say is you know just a genuine ability to always qu- ask questions and question the status quo. Um, so there's a better way to do what I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. I may have, I may have not know it right now, but it'd be great if I fig- if I could figure it out. Just because efficiency is my friend, and I want to be efficient at what I do i want to find better ways to serve my customers and make them happy. And I want to, I want to sort of, uh, you know, uh, aspire, uh, and, you know, growth. And then, uh, for me, the, the third will probably be around just, um, being able to accept that failure is part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, do not just hold back and not try. If you're going to fail, just do it very quickly. I'll oh, feel fast, move on and learn so it's you know if for a while it also took me took me a bit of getting used to because I always you know failure failure hurts and it's personal but that shifted when I realized that oh no it's just it's really just part of the journey it's not you've heard of the <laughs> you've heard of the 10 year 20 year success that you know uh, t- a 20year you know success that happened overnight right you know when people say that so it's, some things just take a very long time it's not a straight shot is this You loop down, up, down, it's sideways. You know, last year you did great, this year you didn't. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, it all comes together between resilience, your ability to continue to question the status quo, and your inherent um, sort of uh, ability to also just know that, you know, failure is part of the journey.
0: True. And one of my favorite questions that I usually ask toward the end of the podcast and I was going to ask you now is, we have a lot of work that we're doing, a lot of like thinking challenges and spending a lot of time in office work. How do you, the main kind of like a challenge, uh, I see everybody, all the entrepreneurs actually asking is, how do you balance your personal life with your, actually your business life, you know? And sometimes it's like, do we have any balance at all? So for some people might be no balance, you know, and they'd be fine with it. But I see, like, everybody tries to figure out a way to balance it or spend more time with their families. So um, you said about your 9-year-old son. So how do you uh, spend time with your family, too?
1: That's a very, that's a very good question. And, I, and for me, it's come with intention. So I've been terrible, you know, all this while with, um, you know, almost literally becoming a workaholic, working mm-hmm. all the time. So initially, it was my wife that was the. She was the clock. She was the one that had to yell at me and say, "No, you know that's it. You know, it, it's Friday at nine o'clock. You're off the clock. You know, for the rest of the weekend." And somehow, I still find a way to sneak something in to do, because it's just my mind wanted to feed off of. You know, there was there's always work to do, and I think that's where it all started. I realized that if I wanted to work twenty four seven, I would. There's always something to do if you're not reading about a competitive angle you're studying about a particular uh challenge it's it's you know you're trying to do the administrative work so because there's always something to do um and i also saw some of my friends uh in the industry who uh have been able to you know religion has helped them kind of stage gate the work like my my jewish friends you know with shabbat they they just they stop like Mm -hmm. and, and that it's great like it's that's a bit, you know, uh, inherent in technology and thus cultural, but you know, the in other cases where you're sort of like at your own, uh, you know, your, your own peril, if you will, uh, just intention and intentionality. And, and of course, awareness, because, um, awareness is what allows me to sort of be here right now. Like all I have to do right now in this moment is talk to you and, you know, and have this, um, uh, interview um, versus my mind being split into the email I just wrote before I joined this call or mm-hmm. thinking about what my son's doing right now. So it, like, if I can just be here um, in that moment, I mm-hmm. find that that's really helpful. So on the weekends, if I'm with the family, like, I don't think about anything but just them. Mm-hmm. That's been sort of how I've tried to approach balance. Um, it's It's almost like now I, I want to work to live and not live to work, um, if you will. Right.
0: Great. Uh, back to the technology adoption. Uh, I know that you have your own kind of like approach for the companies that they wanted to become your client. So for the audience who are listening and they wanted to learn more about your approach to the technology adoption. Can you maybe explain that more in detail? <sighs>
1: Sure. Um, we, I mean, we approach uh, technology adoption, um, you know, with a, a very strong focus on, on change management and customized training. The fact is, first of all, we need to understand, um, you know, the, te- the environment, where the technology is coming into. Because sometimes the first place where you get it wrong is in the install process. You didn't install it properly. Um, you didn't pay attention to all of the users. So we usually work with the IT department to sort that part out. And then the other thing that absolutely is a must is uh you uh personas and use cases. So understanding the roles and the use cases, and I say those differently because you know I might be a systems engineer, but I want to use this particular tool to conduct a sales meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's that the sales meeting is a use case, but my role, my persona is that I'm a systems engineer. So understanding those nuances within companies now becomes uh, is what we sort of we would develop that we get a good understanding of the company uh, in the beginning before we hop into the whole change management scenario where you handle the change like a project and you pay attention to uh, the communication that's involved how you're going to communicate to different groups so that you slowly get everyone onto whatever the platform is because uh, there's a bit of a life cycle associated with adoption where the early adopters always, you know, you know, will take on the technology very easily. Mm-hmm. The biggest chunk of, of knowledge worker population uh, are split between the uh, sort of, you know, uh, late adopters and kind of like the Because of this cross-generational population in companies, you have people who don't necessarily are not that open to change. And then you know, and then of course the remaining spread are those that will only jump on until after everyone else has jumped on. Mm-hmm. And so, because we're dealing with all these sensitivities within the organization, um, to really nail it so that um, you know a knowledge worker adopts a particular tool, we then customize the training because the product itself. Let's take um, let's take Microsoft Teams for example. Let's take Webex for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the manufacturer, um, Cisco, and you know Microsoft themselves, they have all kinds of trainings out there. In most cases, it's just you know training for anyone that wants to use it in. In, uh, in they're all functional types of training, uh, but no one's you know no one's actually uh, taking the time like we would to customize said training for an executive, admin, for example. So executive admins, we find, are a very critical part of most organizations when it comes to deploying, say, collaboration tools. Yeah, because they're supporting the executives, you have to make them savvy, comfortable, and happy about leveraging this tool. So Mm -hmm. hence, we now developed, you know, once we identify that persona, we now developed or customized existing uh, trainings for just the executive admins. And it's very different because they use it to support someone else. So those little, uh, those very specific type of changes, are what makes the training really stick. Mm-hmm. And and again, and for us, we kind of treat the whole process like a life cycle, because adoption is a continuous process. Why is that? It's not that you're going to keep you know training the whole all of your life, but the tools get more sophisticated over time new features. Some have to do with you, some don't. Uh, and as the tool gets more sophisticated or changes are happening, you don't want to keep going to the big thirty minute training that you have. You want to go to that snippet of how that in that, that change applies to you. And so we treat it like a like a life cycle where whether you're onboarding a new new user mm-hmm. or your uh you know your one a user's move from one department to another, we've Sort of put it, uh, put our perspectives around ensuring that um, adoption is a continuous process, ensuring that the the associated training is customized to the personas and use cases, and then when it comes to digital adoption tools like uh, the WhatFix, Pendos, and WalkMe's out there, uh, that's the other thing. They are an overlay over the technology stack. As mm-hmm. the world gets, as we're all into more hybrid mode. As we're all ad- and advancing into a really digital, um, you know, uh, economy, so digital transformation is everywhere. Well, now the technology stack is getting a bit complex, mm-hmm. so you want a, a, you want an overlay on top of that technology stack that can help a user kind of self serve. So I join your company today. I'm new, and you have uh, you probably have an adoption plan somewhere. And if you don't, you might just send me over to, uh, to leverage one of those digital adoption tools that addresses, you know, the specific technology stack. Because now I can self-serve uh, or serve myself, you know, uh, on my own time. However, it's imperative that, the, that organizations actually start by having their own sort of uh, organization, customized organizational adoption plan. And then the digital adoption is an overlay on top of that. You, you can't replace it; it's not a rip and replace. Uh, and so we also have a digital, uh, you know, digital adoption uh, solution that we're bringing to market. That is exactly that, and we're the we're the best to do it because we've done adoption all our lives. And so we're now developing a tool that will actually, uh, in addition to what we're doing, actually help a user a company run their own adoption uh, seamlessly.
0: What do you think it would be maybe, again, top three, maybe uh, the importance of the technology adoption that business owners should know about?
1: um, So technology adoption is not, it's not simple. It's not easy. Um, There's a bit of a psychological aspect to it. Knowing how a user uses a tool is critical to success. Knowing why they use a tool is also critical to the success. It's not as simple as just plugging and playing a technology. Uh, your When you make technology investments, and that can be expensive, what you end up acquiring, for all the good reasons you've acquired it, it boils onto this. It's a return on investment. You want to make sure you get an ROI on this investment. That ROI comes from you're replacing the legacy system. The tool you acquired being actually proving out the proving out the case you acquired it, you know, uh, for. And so, technology adoption is what goes with that. That the users, your knowledge workers, and everyone is intended for, leverages the tool the way it was designed to be leveraged to go ahead and deliver work within your uh, firm the way that you wherever you wanted to effect that change or how you wanted to affect that change so that's very uh, important It's not as simple as people think it is but once you do it and do it right, I mean it's a gift that just keeps on giving it, like it's just it just keeps on giving like you're, you're saving on, uh, on you know a lot of expenses If you do it wrong you get side effects like a ridiculous amount of um, calls going to your IT help desk for example. Now your IT is there to fix tech issues and ensure that you have disciplined rollout, pay attention to cybersecurity, et cetera, et cetera. If you go roll out your collaboration tool the wrong way, for example, now all of a sudden calls going to the help desk include, hey, how do I turn my avatar on in, in WebEx? And they're thinking, wait, is it working? Yeah, so why are you calling me? That? So, so now you're inundating them with, with calls they would rather not be dealing with so you have to get adoption right and then this way you really 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 you know help the uh, knowledge workers be successful while also not um, creating unnecessary or additional challenges to in your organizations which is why i think some companies give up too quickly or they just switch from one platform to another my our philosophy is it doesn't matter what you select with the right adoption plan you should be successful with it. So we pay yeah. attention to workplace technology. What did you choose? We're not selling you anything. Did you choose to use this? Great. Now let's help you use it. Mm-hmm. We just get your technology used.
0: Great. And what would you think would be next for the Meet Me in the Cloud? I mean, like as you're growing the Meet Me in the Cloud, you mentioned another product. So what, what are your plans for the uh, future?
1: So I, I think with the release of our um, digital adoption uh, solution. Um, we think there will probably be a growing ecosystem of uh, users because we really uh, cur- you know, really detailed it for, say the small business and the mid-sized businesses who uh, on a regular basis might not necessarily um, you know come to us for our consulting services because they might think it pricey. They would certainly go for the digital adoption tools and just self serve. So now, HR department, you know, you hire a new employee, you just give them a uh, you know, digital adoption product and they self serve and they can run and use that tool no issues. And so, from our perspective, we think that ecosystem of digital adoption users will grow, um, but we will always have the um, uh, sort of uh, white glove uh, handheld. Uh, approach for a large enterprise you know customers who really want that even if they acquire the digital adoption um tools
0: great and for my last question it's my favorite question is how do you define success whether it's personal (laughs) or business so whatever the answer you wanted to add (laughs) uh,
1: that's um that is an interesting one, and one that I've been you know meditating on quite a bit personally um I think that for me uh success has to do with really a get into a place where I love what I'm doing every day, regardless of what it is, and regardless of what challenges I'm surrounded by mm-hmm. that I actually wake up and love what I'm doing that for me is success and the in the workplace and success in you know, with family would be that, you know, I, I would have done a whole lot better than my parents did with me, mm-hmm. with my, with my, with my kids and, um, and, and my spouse, like, you know, what my parents did with each other, I've improved significantly with my relationship with my spouse. And then, um, in terms of my, you know, uh, parents, child relationship, I've done a whole lot better when it comes to my child. If I can just, you know, get those two right, you know, from in the workplace and at home, I, I, I think I would certainly declare
0: success. Right. Love your answer. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. All right. So, uh, how do you, Oh, we're going to include all the links on the descriptions, whether some people are watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or uh, Apple. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, but what? how people can maybe contact you, you know, what would be the best way of LinkedIn, your email? So what do you think that would be the best way for people to contact you?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, um, we always welcome, uh, you know, being reached out to our website is www.meetmeinthecloud.com. Um, certainly we are on LinkedIn and I would always, you know, I'm happy to, you know, say hello to anyone that uh, reaches out on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, and then we can always uh, reach us at uh, 866 um two two one three two two one as well.
0: Great. All right. Thank you, Felix. It was a really great conversation. I hope that we can do it again tomorrow in the future. <laughs> and then uh, thanks for joining me.
1: Yes, Ali, thank you so much. Great opportunity. Really enjoyed the, uh, the conversation. Thank you. Cheers.